0: You take your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Corinthians 2 Corinthians we'll be looking at the 12th chapter verses 7 through 10. We entitled this message the all sufficient grace of Jesus Christ. The all sufficient grace of Jesus Christ. Now, in this morning, I I do want to bring this message from this chapter. We're going to be talking about Paul's thorn in the flesh here. Paul's thorn in the flesh and the answer of Jesus Christ to his dilemma. And by the grace of God, it's my heart's desire to speak to you, believers, Who you too have a thorn in the flesh. You who have trouble. I may be the only one in the building here that has any trouble. So again, I I often think of myself before I think of you. I preach to myself. Because I know what it is to be in trouble. And God's people, I know you do too. You know what it is to have a thorn in the flesh. And listen, if you don't have one, just wait a minute. Wait a minute, you will. You will. So you can you don't have one right now, you can store this up because it's it's be good for you. So I pray that God would give comfort then in the midst of our trials. Now I've divided my message into three divisions. I want us to first of all see the purpose of the thorn in the flesh. What is God's purpose? God does not give his children thorns without purpose. They're on purpose. And they have a purpose. What is it? What is it? Second of all, I want us to see the answer of Jesus Christ. And the answer is very simple answer. My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. That will be the answer. And the response of faith is what? Therefore, I will glory in mine infirmities. If you really understand the answer to that, you'll be like Paul and you'll rejoice in your thorns. So let's see these together. The purpose then of God, this thorn in the flesh. Now, Paul says this. Go look look at your text there. He said, "For though, verse six, for though do I desire to glory." I shall not be a fool, for I say the truth and I lie not a forbear lest any man should think me above that which he seeth to me to be and heareth to me, lest I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of the revelations that were given to me, a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Now the apostle Paul was given a revelation here. He tells us of a glorious revelation that he had. He was exalted to a place that no man had ever seen. He was exalted into the third heaven. He He saw such blessings. But let's just consider that that was one of many blessings this man had. This man, Paul, I believe he was blessed above all other men, and all other apostles. This man was greatly blessed by the grace of God. He was one born out of due season. You remember all the other apostles came to Christ when he was on the face of the earth and the Lord had already ascended and yet the apostle had the grace of the Lord to come back and get him, to make him an apostle. Even though he was a blasphemer, a persecutor of the church. Yet he was made a minister of the gospel of grace and given the ministry to give the gospel to the Gentiles. And here in our text, we see that great blessing. He was allowed to ascend into the heavens. But because of such grace and privilege that was given to him of God, he must of necessity have been given this thorn in the flesh for this reason that he should not be exalted above measure. Now, now some men speculate as to what this thorn is, and I don't intend to do that. Some believe it's physical. I tell you to be a preacher and have your speech or your sight taken, I tell you, that would be a hindrance, wouldn't it? It would be very difficult. Some believe it's spiritual that this man, because he, he persecuted the church, You remember, he held the coats of those men as they stoned Stephen to death. How much guilt he must have felt concerning what he had done to the church. But I believe the Word of God is silent for this reason. I believe it's silent so that every believer in Christ who has a thorn in the flesh may take this text as their own. Every believer having a thorn in the flesh may take this as their own. So this morning I ask you, do you have any thorns in the flesh? Is there any persecution? Is there any trouble? Is there any difficulty? Is there any guilt? Is there any sorrow? Is there any sickness? Any thorn in the flesh? Are you suffering depression, sadness of mind, despair... Is your conscience afflicted because of the guilt of your sins? And I'll tell you, at our lowest point, it's then that the enemy comes in and convinces us of guilt. Convicts us. How many times have you heard this in your own head? How in the world could you believe on Christ? After what you've done, how in the world could Christ accept you? After what you've done to his church, how could you be one of his? Satan, that's his purpose, is to condemn, to accuse us. See, he can't accuse us before God, but he can accuse us in our conscience. Are you in such a case has the divine providence of God sent forth a thorn in the flesh and a messenger of Satan to beat you. why well, Buffett, we don't use that word, Buffet. Beat. He was beat by this messenger. The question then comes, why does God allow such a thorn in the flesh? Why such trouble? Why such difficulty? Well, look at the text. Go back and see. Paul tells us plainly this, lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations given to me. Now, first thing I want you to consider, you are believers, I want you to consider the abundance of revelation that is given to you. How much understanding and knowledge and grace has been given to you? Consider the millions of people that walk upon the face of God's earth and know nothing of what you know. Have no interest in the things of God, and you do. No idea who they are by nature. No idea who Christ is and what He's done. They feel no need of Him. They feel no love for Him, and yet we do. What an abundance of... Of revelation and gifts has been given to us. Don't you know you know all things? Paul said that he said, and you know all things. What is the only thing you need to know to know all things? Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's all you need to know to know all things. You know all things. This is abundance of revelation. Consider how many more people are better than we are. Who are more knowledgeable in the things of the world, more noble. They've got more money. They've got more access to people. And yet God did not choose the the great things of the world, but the foolish things of the world. And you're looking at Him. Base things of the world. And I'll tell you, we are confounding to those who are wise of this world. We're just confounding. They don't understand. Consider the abundance of grace that you've been given. Consider that you were chosen of God, loved with an everlasting love, redeemed with the blood of Jesus Christ called by the Holy Spirit and power quickened and given grace. Consider the abundance of this grace and love that you are now the sons of God. You look in the mirror and you say, look, a son of God. Can't see that anyway, but by, by faith, can you? <laughs> we see it by faith that we are the sons. Now are you the sons of God. Now are you the sons of God. John said, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. When you look in the mirror and you say, A son of God, what do you see? it doesn't appear what we're going to be. We still have that old nature of sin about our neck. It doesn't yet appear what we shall be. But we know something. We know something. We have a revelation of something. We shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. Is that not an abundance of revelation? Is that not something to be thankful for? You that have this revelation. Is that not something to praise God for? To give thanks? I often tell people in our congregation, you know the remedy for murmuring? Thanksgiving. You You can't murmur and be thankful at the same time. If we're thankful, what are we murmuring for? You don't have any room to murmur. Consider what God has given you. Consider the grace of God to put us in union with His Son, justify us and redeem us by His blood, call and keep us by His Spirit, so that nothing shall ever separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Nothing. Therefore, we know this. Paul said in Romans 8, that all things work together for good. He said, we know. See, this is the abundance of knowledge. Paul had this knowledge. So do you. you Paul had an abundance of revelation. This is not just... When I'm talking to these things, this is not a doctrine to you, is it? It's a reality. When I speak of depravity, I speak of something that's very real to you. When I speak of election, it's very real to me. When I speak of the blood of Christ and the calling of the Spirit, these things are reality. Why? They were revealed to me. They were made known to us. By the power of God. So we have an abundance of revelation. Paul said he had an abundance. So do we. So do we. But I want to give... That, then he gives a warning to those who have such revelation. He said, Lest I should be exalted above measure through the revelation, abundance of the revelation, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. Why was this thorn given? Look what Paul says. A messenger of Satan to, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. One thing about the knowledge revel, of revelations we have been given, the thing that this does often is exalts our pride. This is the warning against pride. Though we are heirs of all things, though we receive the spiritual blessings that are in Christ, yet know that we are not yet what we shall be. We're not yet what we shall be. Therefore, God has ordained that we should be conformed to the image of His Son. He creates in us a new nature, a holy nature, yet we are still Burdened by the old man of sin. When Christ saved you, he gave you a new nature. Scripture says that that nature is created after God in true holiness. Isn't it wonderful? You have a nature that cannot sin, a nature that cannot be affected by sin, it can't be moved by sin, it can't be tempted by sin. It's holy. Yet at the same time, God did not deliver us from the corrupt nature that we were born with. We have this old man of sin. Therefore, John says it does not appear what we shall be. It doesn't appear what we shall be because we still have sin. We still have this old man. And so the apostle describes in Romans 7, he said, O wretched man that I am, Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Now, I want you to understand the illusion here, the the illustration here, the body of this death. The Romans used to have a punishment that they would give a man and they would take a, a dead corpse and they would sew it around the neck of the criminal. And he would have to bear this rotting corpse until it fell off. I don't know about you, but that's exactly how it feels in my heart to bear this old man about. I would live in the presence of Christ. <laughs> I would live without sin. And yet this old man is constantly dragging me to the earth, seeking to pull me from Christ by the things of this world. This old man of sin about our neck. So then we must contend with the flesh. And because of the manifold revelations of God, then we are prone to the sin then of pride. Is there anything more opposite grace than pride? How can we be proud of grace? Did any of us merit grace? And yet the old man will seek to find glory in grace. He'll seek to set himself above his brethren. What do you think this idea of progressive sanctification is for? The idea that somehow they can make their flesh holier. It's the idea of setting themselves above others. It's just flesh. It's just flesh. And so we, like Paul, Paul said, lest I should be exalted above measure. So why are these thorns given to us? Lest we should be exalted with pride. Therefore, this is the reason that God does send these thorns in the flesh so that we as recipients of grace might not be exalted above measure or think of ourselves more highly than we ought. Romans 12, 3 says, Through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Maybe I'm the only one that's ever guilty of that. But think soberly according to, as God has dealt every man the measure of faith. You got a you got faith. Who gave you that faith? How much faith do you have? Who gave you that measure? Well, if God gave it to you, act like it. Who maketh thee to differ from another? What hast thou thou hast not received? And if you received it, why do you act like you didn't? Pride, friends, is is, I believe, in the among believers is the worst of self-righteous sins. Pride. And so what does God do? He gives us these thorns in the flesh. He chastens us. Have you ever thought about what would happen if God stopped chasing you? If he stopped chastening you, what sort of person would you be? If there were no thorns in the flesh. If everything was smooth, what type of man would you be? What type of child would you have if you didn't discipline your children, What What kind of children would they be? Well, you know because they're your children. (laughs) You know what kind of children they'd be. They'd go according to their nature. Isn't that true of us who are in Christ? Had God not, if God were to stop putting these thorns in our way, we would be such spoiled children. Therefore, believer, are you pressed down? Have you been put into the dust of the earth by these thorns? Have you been made to plead for mercy and power and strength to continue? Is your heart so hard, your love so cold that you cannot feel or enjoy the presence of Christ? This is a thorn in the flesh. To the believer it is. To the believer it is. And see in verse 8, we see the apostle then beseeching. Look back at your text. For this thing, Paul said, I besought the Lord thrice... That it might depart from me. The Apostle Christ saved me. Deliver me. Comfort me. And rebuke my enemy. He sought the Lord three times. How often do we read in Scripture of men pleading with God to remove their trials? Remove their troubles? Often. Often do we read this in Psalm seventy-seven. Asaph said, "This I cried unto the Lord with my voice, unto God with my voice." He said, "I couldn't contain it anymore. I had to use my voice." Now, you know, sometimes we just bow in prayer and we're using our mind. But how many times can you not just hold it in? It's got to, you had to blurt it out. You had to cry. That's trouble. This man was in trouble. He cried unto the Lord. Listen to his faith. And he gave ear unto me. Now listen, when you cry, you believe. You believer, you know this, God hears you. You know he does. When you cry, he hears you. Asaph said, he heard me. I know he heard me. He said, in the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. But listen, what happened? My sore ran into the night and ceased not, I know God hears me, but He sure ain't delivered me. You had that? Have you ever had the Lord delay in deliverance? You know, I think of old Jarius and his daughter. That man, his, his daughter was dying. And the Lord said, I'll go heal her. And out on the way, you remember that woman who, with the issue of blood, she comes up behind the Lord and touches Him and was healed, and He stops. And He says, Who touched me? The disciples said, Lord, what do you mean who touched you? The crowd's thronging you. And when He turned around, He saw that woman, and He, he sat and listened to her explain her 12 years of suffering. Can you imagine Jairus' heart As he sat there, his daughter was dying and Christ delayed. He wouldn't stop. He wanted to hear this woman. How often does God delay in delivering us from these thorns? Asaph said, my soul ran into the night. And listen, my soul refused to be comforted. How often we in the thorns of our flesh heard the word of God and were not comforted. Is that not a thorn in itself? Your flesh, your flesh refuses it. Your spirit desires it, but your flesh just sits there and abstains. I will not be comforted. And then he said, I remembered God in my and I was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. Can you relate to this? I know you can if you're a believer. I know you can. Are you so vexed and troubled that you can't even look up? And what do you do? You do what Paul did. You cry unto God. That is your right. That is your privilege to cry unto God. To cry unto Him. And listen, He may deliver you in a moment. And then again, He may delay. He may delay. Then again, He may not do it in this lifetime. I know the Lord is able to deliver us in a moment. But I know this, there are many believers who have begged God for deliverance and not received it till they entered into glory. Remember Lazarus at begging at the rich man's gate? Was he not a son of God? And yet the Lord let him sit there and starve to death. Did God deliver him? Yes, we see him now in heaven being comforted forever. God did deliver him, just not in this life. I'll tell you this, maybe God won't deliver you in this life from your thorn. You know, we have no recording of Paul being delivered from this thorn. None. Is God any less gracious? No. In fact, God here gives us this. The answer... To this thorn in the flesh. Listen to his answer. Go to your text. He's going to give you an answer. You with a thorn. Listen to him. You that are afflicted. Listen to his answer. To your prayers. And he said unto me. My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Draw close to Him and listen to Him, you suffering saint. Listen to Him. The grace of Jesus Christ is enough. If you have the grace of God, you have enough. His grace is all sufficient. Asaph in Psalm 77 cried out in the midst of his trouble... In the midst of his affliction, yet how could he endure such suffering? How could he be comforted? He said this, I will remember the works of the Lord. You want to be comforted? Remember the grace of our Lord. Think on the grace of God. Think on His mercy. Think on His mercy. He remembered the deliverance He had on him. Now in that Psalm 77 he goes down and he he lists the deliverance of, of Israel from Egypt. He thinks on the works of deliverance. How were the Israel delivered? They were delivered by blood. You that are in affliction, what should you be dwelling on? How you were delivered by blood. He thinks on how they were delivered by power. You that are in affliction, Think on God how He has delivered you by power. He delivered them in love. Think of how you were delivered based on the love of God. That you are loved. Consider the grace of God. In our afflictions, we cry unto God and though it seems the heavens are shut up, they're not. (laughs) You know, they're... How many things do we feel and think that are just not right? In trouble, I feel like God's against me. That's just not right. I feel as though God has led me. Well, that's just not right. I feel as though my guilt will drag me to hell. Well, that's just not right. What we feel and what we think is not what we should dwell on. What does God say? Dwell on the grace of God in your thorn, in your trouble. Remember, it was God in sovereign grace who chose you. That's the first thing about His grace. It's sufficient in election, isn't it? It's sufficient in election. He chose us. Remember his sovereign love that chose us. That put us in Christ. You in Christ today? Are you in Christ? Who put you there? What caused God to put you in Christ? It was grace, wasn't it? It was grace. Consider the love of God that put you in Christ. How much does God love you? I know you don't feel His love in the midst of your trials, but how much does He really love you? Imagine you can measure God's love. How high is God's love? Do you realize God's love never changed for you? God's love, however high that is, it never changes. Your love, on the other hand, if we can even call it that. I love Him. But I tell you, I'm ashamed of my love for Him. But I am not ashamed of His love for me. He loves me with an everlasting love. Remember that He in grace adopted us to be sons, not based on our works, but the work of Christ. You are sons of God based on the work of Jesus Christ alone. Remember that God does nothing by accident, but our salvation was purposed of God. Purposed of God. Paul said, "We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to what? His purpose." I didn't slip up one day and enter a church service and accidentally believe on Christ. It was purposed. Is not the grace of His electing grace sufficient for us? Second thing, remember the grace of Jesus Christ is sufficient because He hath perfectly effectually, eternally redeemed us and justified us and sanctified us. My brother just read that. But of God are you in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom. You know the wisdom that the world can't get? Here it is. How can God be just and justify the ungodly? They can't answer that. Their answer is works, will. Ceremony, religion. That's not wisdom. Wisdom is this. We know that God can only be just and justify the ungodly in Jesus Christ. That's wisdom. He's my wisdom. He says, my wisdom. He's my righteousness. Christ Himself obtained righteousness for me. And not just any righteousness. What Paul say in Romans 3, it's the righteousness of who? Righteousness of God. The righteousness of God by His faith is unto all and upon all them that believe. You believe? Well, that righteousness is yours. He's made Him to be our righteousness. Our sanctification! Oh, this is good. I'm so glad I don't have to run around sanctifying myself. Making myself holy. Trying to get the flesh better. No, flesh needs to be killed. It don't need to be coddled. We understand that. So my sanctification is not my mortifying the flesh. That's not my sanctification. My sanctification is perfect. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. How many times have you been sanctified? Once. Who did it? Christ. Christ. And then the Father gave us that sanctification when He called us by His Spirit, didn't He? Consider the grace of our Lord to call us. Christ, the all-sufficient grace, has redeemed us, sanctified us, and justified us. He, He redeemed us. He bought us our sin debt. He paid our debt. What grace! What mercy! That Christ, the Son of God, became a man to represent me. To live that life of righteousness in my place. What grace He died in my stead, willingly gave His life. He said, that I'm the good shepherd and the good shepherd layeth down His life. And not only that, the grace of Jesus Christ when He rose from the dead, He justified me. He justified us. What grace? Romans chapter 8. Look at this. Look at this. Now you in the thorn in the flesh, when Satan buffets you, this is a good grace to hold on to right here. Romans chapter 8. Look at this. What in the world are we going to say to these things? If God be for me, who can be against me? For he spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How then shall he not with him freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justified. Your conscience lay anything, any charge to you? Behold the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? And notice he goes on. Who then is he that condemneth? Now, listen. Isn't this, isn't this something? How can you condemn somebody who ain't no charge? You, you go before a judge and the judge says, What's the charge? Well, I don't have a charge, but I want you to condemn him anyway. You can't. There is no condemnation. This is the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That there is therefore now no condemnation. And there is therefore now no condemnation. What about now? How about now? What about tomorrow? (laughs) What about the next day? What about eternity? There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation, Paul said, because his Christ had died. Yea, rather, he's risen again. So then, who's going to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus? Who? Will that thorn in the flesh separate you from his love? Never. Isn't that something to think on in your thorn? In your trouble? The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and consider the grace of the Holy Spirit. He has now called us. He has called us by His grace. Where did He find you? You believer, where did He find you? When He came to you, Did He not find you in a wilderness of sin? Did He not find you with a heart of rebellion? Or did He wait till you got better? When He found me, I could be no worse. When He convicted me of my sin, I saw where He found me. I was that bastard child cast out and polluted in my own blood. And he said, when I passed by thee, I saw thee polluted in thine own blood. And I said, live. What happened when he said live? Was this a suggestion? Was it an offering? Was it an option? He said, Live. And you live. What grace? How many people were around you when God said to you, Live, and He said nothing to them? Why did He say, Live to you and pass by so many others? the grace of God. The grace of God. Now then, let me ask you, is there any pride in what I've given you? Is there anything for you to brag about? What did you do to be elected? What did you do to be redeemed? What did you do to be called? And what do you do to be kept? Why are you still here? You've been here ever since I've known you. Why are you still here? You are kept by the power of God unto salvation ready to be revealed. I'm kept. This is the grace of God we should focus on in our trials. but it's sufficient. It's sufficient grace. He chose us. He redeemed us. He called us. He keeps us. He feeds us. He comforts us. Therefore, as we are in in the very teeth of our trouble, let us remember that it is the all-sufficient grace of Christ that saves us. And thirdly, I want to see this last thing. Watch this. The answer, the response to Christ's answer. If you really understand the answer of His grace being sufficient, this will always be the response of the suffering saint. Look what Paul said. Go back to your text. He said, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Consider this. when we are by faith led to the teeth of our afflictions and we are able to see the sufficiency of God's grace, it's there we see that it's His strength displayed. His His strength is only displayed in your weakness. Consider if you were strong all the time. You know what you would not see? His strength. J.C. Philpot said this, and I, I believe it to be so. Uh, he asked the question, what is the highest point of our religion? What do you think that the highest attainment of a believer should be in this life? He said, some believe the presence of Christ. I mean, we think that's great, isn't it? When you feel the presence of Christ, some think, well, that's the greatest thing that we can have in this life. And often I thought that was the greatest thing. I thought that's the greatest attainment that we could have is just to feel His presence. To experience what Paul did. To be lifted into the third heaven. That's not it. What Paul learned here is the the greatest thing a believer can attain is this. Weakness. Nothingness. When I realize I have no strength I'm able to see the fullness of His strength. He said, in weakness is my strength made perfect, manifest to be perfect. When I'm my weakest, I know this, the only thing keeping me is the grace of God. When I'm at my lowest and I have sinned, I have failed, fallen, it's in that place I see that only the grace of Christ can sustain me. If I feel holy, you know what I think? I think it's something I'm doing. If I feel righteous, that it, it, I'm going to give glory to myself in some measure. But when I don't have anything, then who do I give glory to? Christ. That's the highest attainment. Weakness. And notice what Paul said then. Here's the response. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities. Wouldn't this be wonderful if in the midst of our sickness, we could say, I glory in my sickness. When you are suffering in the lowest form of depression, that we could glory in it. Why does Paul glory in it? That the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecution, in distress. Listen, because it feels good. Is that what he said? No, it doesn't feel good. He does it for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. How many times you pray for strength? Lord, make me strong. You know what he's going to do? He's going to make you weak. And only then. Only then does he receive all the glory and praise. You see why thorns are necessary? Keep us from pride. You got a thorn? It's Because it's necessary to keep you from pride. What's the answer of Christ to your thorns? My grace is sufficient for thee. Because when you're weak, then you see it's me that keeps you it's me that saves you and not yourself my grace is sufficient for thee is his grace sufficient for you God help us God be gracious to let us let this be sufficient in our troubles pray God will bless this to you I acknowledge the weakness of the man preaching. And I know this, only Christ revealed this to you and me, that His grace is sufficient.